Come on, put your hands together if you really love Jesus. If you really love him. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. Y'all pray for me today. Um, uh, we, we are starting a series uh, this morning. We're starting a series called Parabolic. And uh, I don't know, you know, we preach a lot of Im uh, uh, powerfully important things here. We teach a lot, I should say, because we try to follow the leading of the Spirit. Um, and I was excited about this series. And when the Lord planted the seed in my heart that this is where we were to go, um, I was really, really excited. Um, it's the spring and summer, so we try to uh, be as concise as possible with service. Uh, we try to keep, you know, service to a reasonable length so that we can um, get you out of here in a reasonable time. I don't know why I have two microphones. Praise the Lord. Uh, can you hear me? Amen. Hallelujah. Can you hear me? Yes? Clear? Okay, good. Um, we try to, to do what we can. Uh, I think that's still on. Um, to be as reasonable with your time as possible. And so when the Lord planted the seed in my heart. No, no, I can't. When the Lord planted the seed in my heart, um, my desire or my thought process was that we would be just having these little short conversations about Bible stories. But as I dug in and dove in and, and began to study, um, I, God just began to show me some things in the Word that I was not aware of. And, and I'm just excited uh, to be able to share those kinds of things with you, um, but, but also to, uh, thank you, to be learning uh, along with you. But I find myself this morning a little intimidated uh, by the assignment because I feel like, man, I don't even know if I'm equipped or, or if I can properly communicate uh, what God has given us, if I can properly communicate what it is that he desires to say. But I'm going to do my best. And if you pray for me, uh, pray that God would give us utterance so that the word would come forth and it would come forth with clarity. Uh, I need you to give me your your attention this morning. I need you to give me your attention this morning. Thank you so much. Give me your attention so that you can really receive uh, what God has for you uh, because this this could be, a, uh, for some of you, this will be a life-changing message today. Um, the series in and of itself will shift a lot of you, but today, for those of you who are even at home and online, for those that are in the room, this could be a pivotal moment for you, and I don't want you to miss it, and so uh, let, let's, let's go. Matthew 13, starting in verse 1. It says, On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together with uh, together to him. Come on, brother. Keep just a little bit wild for me. Uh, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Uh, then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places uh, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up uh, because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
Father, we thank you for this moment in time, for this opportunity to come before your presence in your word. We thank you that no time spent in your presence or before your word is ever time wasted. I pray today, possibly more than ever before, Father, that you would give us all ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts that understand and that desire to be changed in your presence. Do what only you can do. Shift our hearts today. Change our minds today. Show us your glory. Father, equip me to say what it is you desire to say, not what I want to say. And let us hear what it is you're saying to us. Let the word find us where we are, God. You said that you sent your word and it healed them. Let your word heal today, deliver and set free. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Matthew 13 is where we're starting today. Um, just a moment. Thank you so much, Howard. Uh, and today we, we begin a journey through uh, some of the most important scriptures in the Synoptic Gospels. Um, these are the parables of Jesus. Uh, these are the parables of Jesus. And um, there, are, there are about 40 uh, parables in the Bible. They're spread throughout Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There are no parables in the book of John. Um, what, what we're not going to do is preach all 40. <laughs> we're not going to spend uh, almost a full year here. Um, there are eight, however, significant parables of the kingdom, and we probably will go through all eight of those most definitely. Hopefully it will not all be me. I'm waiting for the Lord to lead me and guide me on who I should select and point out and get to, hey, this is your parable. And then they look at me like, why would you do that to me? And I say, well, it's the Lord, not me. Uh, so uh, hopefully we'll see that happening soon. Uh, today's going to be a little bit longer than the other Sundays um, uh, because today we're going to lay some groundwork, right? Uh, today we're, gonna, we're, not, we're not just going to look at this first parable um, in our case study, but we're also going to we're going to lay a foundation and get an understanding and get some clarity where I had to get some clarity and some understanding um, about just the nature of parables themselves. Um, the, the series is parabolic. That means being of a parable. But it, it would be I would be remiss in my responsibility as a teacher to just jump into parables without bringing some understanding and enlightenment and some revelation um, that I came into in my study. I want to bring you into this conversation um, and then just understanding so that you can get all that God wants you to get out of this. And if you talk back to me today, we may move fast, and if you don't, then we may be here till like 3 o'clock, but, you know, I don't know. <laughs> look at all the amens. Amen. I'm not going to get amen out of, of African-Americans. Amen. Uh, speaking of African-Americans, do me a favor. Let's not forget uh, in our prayer time uh, that we, we're approaching, uh, and the jury is in deliberations in the, the trial for... Uh, the former officer Chauvin um, in, the, in the murder of, of George Floyd. Let's pray that God's kingdom come and will be done and justice be done. And, and let's pray that no matter which way this jury ends up leaning, keep your city in prayer. Keep that city in prayer uh, because police departments all across the nation are making preparations 
for what could be an aftermath from that verdict. And so please keep that on your prayer list. Let's also pray uh, for justice for Dante Wright. Uh, let's pray for justice for Adam Toledo. Uh, let's pray for, uh, let's, let's pray that just the enemy would just be, be, <laughs> would be defeated um, in his plan um, to er eradicate uh, the African-American from the earth. <laughs> let's pray that our police departments would uh, operate with integrity, uh, that would, they would, they would uh, follow their training. And I mean, I, I think you should pray that the spirit of fear would break its hold off of police departments because a lot of this comes from fear, but some of it comes from racism. So let's pray against the demonic force of racism uh, in our land. Amen. Uh, let's also pray for the people who were, the families of the people who were murdered in Indianapolis at FedEx. Uh, let's pray that our government would really take a solid look at guns and gun control in our nation. Listen, I'm a gun owner, so I'm not against owning guns, but I do believe that if they do their due diligence and we, we increase some of the requirements to obtain assault rifles and things of that nature that we make, make a difference in people being killed in mass shootings. Um, so let's, let's keep that on our prayer list, okay? I uh, want to make sure that you're aware of what's going on around you and that you do your part as an intercessor. Uh, you may not have the gift of intercession or being on an intercession team, but you still are a believer, so you're called to what? Intercede. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so we're looking at parables, and we're grabbing an understanding, right? An understanding of, uh, uh, today we're going to just look at, like, what are parables? When are parables? Why are parables? Um, uh, and these are some of the things that we're going to do as we lay foundation before we look at the first of all parables that were taught by Jesus, or what we might consider like the, the greatest and, and the crown jewel of, of his parabolic ministry. Um, and once we grasp this basic understanding, uh, we're, we're going to be better equipped then to understand and to be what? Changed, converted, matured, and strengthened by what we approach throughout the rest of this series. We're not here to gain information we are here to be changed. Okay. We're not here to just be made smarter. We are here to be converted. You guys are such a great audience today because you're going to help me make a really good point in just a moment. I am going to talk about you in just a moment. And you are going to be a great example. And I love it. Uh, so just stick with me and watch this. Okay. Uh, the, what is a parable? The dictionary defines a parable as a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson as told by Jesus in the Gospels. And that is a false definition. Tension. Right there, that's what you call tension. We just insert where the preacher's at. Uh, I was talking to somebody who's a preacher, and they were asking me about preparing for a message, and I said, tension is always good in your text because it keeps people. If you could turn me down just a little bit in the monitors, left and right, just a tad. Um, tension is what we just created because I propose to you today that how the dictionary, Webster's, defines a parable is not accurate. I do not think it is a simple story used to illustrate a moral lesson or moral point. Um, it is not. Just a little bit less, left and right. Left and right on the, on the left side of your, of your board, on the far right side of your board. 
left and right and then turn the first channel down. Thank you so much. A simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Okay, now watch this. The word parable actually, um, the Greek word is parabole, parabole, okay? And it's made up of two words, para and balo, para, balo. Para meaning alongside, balo meaning to throw, okay? So, so what, what the word actually means is to throw alongside. Um, so but now we hear the word parable and we're looking at these stories. And so uh, uh, the, the actual definition is a, a parabole is a placing of one thing by the side of another. A juxtaposition as, uh, as of ships in a battle who are right next to each other pointing at one another. It's still there. Um, a, a comparing or a comparison of one thing with another. So it's a comparing of things, like a likeness or a similitude. Um, an example by which a, watch this, doctrine or precept is illustrated, okay? Hold on to that. An, uh, it's, it's an example by which a doctrine or a precept, doctrine is very important. Um, it's, it's, it, we tend to like to pull scriptures out of the Bible to make a point by isolating them to, to tell, uh, to make a moral point or to kind of get people to do what we want them to do. Uh, but scripture is best understood in context for why it was placed there by the person who placed it there so that you get the full understanding. Okay, but here's a very important part of this definition. Watch this. Thank you, sir. A narrative, fictitious, but agreeable, to the laws and usages of human life by which either the duties of men or the things of God, particularly, here it is, the nature and history of God's kingdom are figuratively portrayed. That's a long definition. Let me give you the cliff notes. A, a parable is not a simple story meant to make an, a moral point no, a parable is, is a story that is used to illustrate or, 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 or tell you a kingdom doctrinal principle. I could, I'm not going to skip here, but like, okay, so like the Good Samaritan, like if you take that parable and use Webster's Dictionary, then it's about, it's a story to tell you to be nice to your neighbor or to strangers, right? That's a simple story to make a moral point. But that's not what parables are, so that's not ultimately what that story is about. But I can't tell you what that story is about because this is not the day for that parable. So that helps you understand, though, the difference. Okay, good. Um, a parable is not a simple, silly little story meant to declare some momentary moral point. Um, let me show you this. What was Jesus' primary mission when he came to earth? What, what, what was it, Jesus? Can anybody tell me? What did Jesus preach about? What did, what did he teach about? Okay, Matthew 4 and 17 is where we find this. It's the beginning of his ministry. He's come. John has baptized him. Uh, he's come up out of the water. The Holy Spirit has descended like a dove. He's gone into the wilderness. He's come out of the wilderness. 
And the Bible says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, turn. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It says, from that time until. And from that time forward. It gave no ending. It said, Jesus came and he preached, turn, repent, think differently because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the first thing he preached, and it framed and guided all of his teaching. Jesus didn't come to earth. This is, this is, this is, okay, here's another point of tension. Jesus did not come to earth to teach us about how to get to heaven or not go to hell. I know. But that's not what the gospel is about. I know we've made it about heaven and hell. Uh, you know, how do I get into the heaven and the pearly gates and the street paved with gold? How do I stay out of hell? I mean, heaven. How do I stay out of hell where it's fiery and it's hot? That, that's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to reestablish God's kingdom, his rule, his dominion in the earth. He didn't come to teach you how to get to heaven or how to not get to hell. He came to teach you how to be a part of heaven invading earth and therefore pushing hell out of the way. God, help me. This is why when they asked him to teach us to pray, what did he say? He didn't say, uh, pray, God, uh, get me into heaven. He didn't say, God, keep me out of hell. He said, no, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. <sighs> Once you understand this, then you have to frame now all that Jesus taught around the gospel of the kingdom. Okay. Um, this is why our definition for parable says that this is the nature and history of God's kingdom being figuratively, figuratively portrayed, Michael. Uh, okay, so then if, if Jesus' first and primary mission and his consistent mission was to teach about the kingdom, um, then a parable, if it was used by Jesus, must have been used to do what? Okay. So, okay, so, like when I'm preaching, right, and I'll be like, <laughs> so then a parable was meant to do what? And I'll stop, like, that's a question. And so, like, one person in the crowd would be like, ah. And then I'll be like, okay, good, we can move. Okay, I'm going to do it again. So, if Jesus' whole mission, you can do it in the comments, too if you want to help us out. If Jesus' whole mission was to teach about the kingdom and to bring God's kingdom and reestablish it in the earth, then if he used a parable, he used a parable to teach about what? The kingdom. The kingdom. So then a parable is a story, figuratively, that compares something that you understand in life to what? The kingdom. So you come to understand the kingdom through the parable because the parable does talk about life uh, or something that is natural, but it's bringing a kingdom truth into understanding. 
but there's still a problem. That's what the parable is. So, so let's talk about why parables. Why did he use parables? Okay, I want to start with Let's start with one of the whys and the why nots mixed together. I hope that you can go with me here. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know it or not, <laughs> but listening is one of the most difficult things for us as human beings to do. And Jesus knew this. Case in point, in the beginning of this message, as I'm opening Every time the baby makes a noise, everybody on this side of the church stops listening to me, and they start listening to the baby. Their attention shifts from me to me. Not, not that it's wrong. It's just the way we are. It's hard for us to give our attention and to listen to other people. Actually, watch this. Hearing the voice of others primarily above our own voice is the hardest thing for us to do, right? Uh, so then when you add in your own voice to all of the potential distractions around you, um, then, then listening becomes even harder. And you, you must understand and frame this, Howard, from an understanding that some distractions are just noise in the room. But other distractions are less physical and more psychological. You know, like your mind, it's hard to focus because at times your mind will drift off and begin to think of other things and, and, and all these other responsibilities and what's on my schedule and uh, what, who posted what on social media and who liked my post and did anybody retweet me yet? All these different things vying for our attention and, and it can be and it can be difficult not to hear but to listen. <laughs> Jesus uses parables then watch this this is the part that really got me as I began to dig in and study not to make things easy for us to understand but to challenge us to really listen and hear and try to understand what he is presenting. Okay. We, when we hear the word listen, it doesn't mean to just hear. Okay, I'm going to help. Okay. He, he doesn't use parables, watch this, uh, to put our ability... When you hear listen, think understand. Okay? When you hear listen, I want you to think understand. As a matter of fact, for the rest of the day, when you hear hear, think listen and understand. Okay, let me show it to you this way. At the end of the first parable he ever taught, he said, it's in our text today, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? And I guess, you know, just hearing that, it sounds strange, right? Like, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What? If you got ears to hear, why would you have to say, let him hear? Okay, in the, in, the, in the Passion Translation, it says it like this. If you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. Okay, so now we just added another layer to listening and hearing. 
it is not just taking in sound, it is taking in the sound, getting an understanding of what you heard, and then responding to what you heard. How you doing, sis? God bless you. It's good to see you. Uh, uh, okay, in God's word translation, it says, let the person who hears listen. Okay, um, in the message, I like it in the message, it says, Jesus said, are you listening to this? Really listening? Okay, uh, in the New Living Translation, I like it even more. He says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then the Amplified, I like it the most. It says, he who hears, who, he who has ears to hear, let him be listening and let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. Wow. So, so here, what the, what, what the Amplified Bible says is that what Jesus was saying when he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, what he was saying was, if you have ears to hear, then you need to listen, consider, and perceive so that you get comprehension. Wow. 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 Because Jesus knows how hard it is for us to really listen. He begins to use these short stories or parables that are not easy to understand to relay his message. And then he says, if you have ears to hear, listen. I love the fact that Jesus put the responsibility back on the hearer. This could make sense in a minute. It'll make more sense in a minute. I promise. If you're taking notes, when you get home and you look at your notes, you're going to be like, oh, wow, now I see how this connects and this connects and this connects. I promise, okay? Now, now, now he put the responsibility back on the listener. A lot of us try to put all the responsibility on the teacher because we don't want to do the work of trying to understand. A lot of us, watch, I, I love this culture that we live in uh, where, where, where they ask you, do you have a discipleship plan at your church? And I'll be looking like the Bible like, let me see what Jesus' discipleship plan was. Oh, this, Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And he walked away. And they followed him. I said, what was Elijah's discipleship plan? He said to Elijah, if you want this mantle, then wherever I go, you just be there. Now, you want, you want us to give you a written out 90-day discipleship plan that says, so you start here, and in 90 days, you're going to be the best Christian ever that ever existed. And then we give you that plan, we set the meetings up, and then we get supposed to text you, remind you of the meeting, text you, ask you if you're coming to the meeting. Then when we get to the meeting and you ain't at the meeting, call you and remind you that you're supposed to be on the Zoom call so that we can disciple you. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't follow the Bible. In the Bible, what is it, the disciple lead? Is that a word? I don't know. We made it up. We'll flow with it. You know what it means. The disciple lead pursue the discipler. Mentees pursue mentorship. Mentors don't look for people to mentee. They make themselves available. I mean, don't, mentors don't look for people to mentor. They don't go out looking for mentees. They make themselves available. So then if you desire to grow, then you pursue growth. You pursue, if, and so then, 
I'm sorry. If you desire to understand, then you do what? Y'all forgive me. I'm sorry. I get a little excited. Then, then you pursue understanding. Okay. Do you have ears? You should listen. Do you have ears? You should listen. Something about this all seems very counterintuitive, however. You've got this guy, Jesus, who has come into the world to bring the kingdom of heaven crashing in uh, to the kingdom of earth, who's come to, to seek and to save those who were lost. He did not come to condemn, but he did come to save. But now you're telling me that when he teaches these parables, he does not make them easy to understand. He makes them difficult. Have you ever been misunderstood? Y'all have a rough life. <laughs> Wait till you become a pastor. Uh, you ever been mischaracterized? You have? Yeah. I mean, just one chapter before this parable in Matthew, like a chapter 12, it says in verse uh, 2 of chapter 12, it, it says, and when the Pharisees, it says in, in verse 1, at that time Jesus went through the grain field on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. So they accused him and his disciples of, of breaking the Sabbath. A few verses later, uh, he, he, he heals a man. There's a man who, who, who needs, he's got a demon. He heals the man. And, and they say, then the Pharisees went out and plotted against him how they might destroy him. So they accused him of breaking the Sabbath. They tried to destroy him. At verse 24, it says, now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, the fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub and the ruler of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and, and then he, he responds to them. So he, he broke the Sabbath. You know, uh, uh, we're going to kill him. He's not even of God. He's demonic. This is Jesus. Moments before, you know, right before this parable is taught, right? This is the part that got me. He's misunderstood. He's mischaracterized. He's accused, all right? People do not, are not all clear on who this guy is, right? Okay, and now, now it says, in, if you look at this story in Mark 4, uh, verses 1 through 2, you don't have to turn there. It says, and again he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he had to get into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. Now, first of all, Jesus was there. How did Jesus way back then know that water creates a microphone effect? You didn't know that, okay? If I stand across the street from you and yell at you, 
it's very hard for you to hear me. But if I stand across a lake and yell at you, because of the way sound bounces off of water, you can hear me clearer. Jesus didn't have a microphone, but he had a multitude. And so, so that the multitude could hear him, he got in the boat, pushed away, and spoke to them from there so that the sound would bounce off the water and they could all hear him. He was a bad man. This guy's mind was on another level. Uh, but this is the part that really gets me misunderstood, mischaracterized, super accused of things that were not true, and he gets in the boat, he's got this captive audience, and this is what, he, have you ever been mischaracterized? Misunderstood? What do you try to do? Defend yourself. Explain yourself. Make yourself what? He who has ears, ears let him hear. You try to explain yourself, Justify yourself, clarify yourself. Jesus pushes out from the boat, looks at the people who have been talking bad about him, and he said, hey, a farmer got some seed, and uh, he took some seed out, and he threw the seed down, and some of the seed got on the sidewalk, and some of the seed rolled into the thorns, and some of the seed rolled into the thickets, and it got choked out, and then some of the seeds got on good ground. If you got ears to hear, hear. And he left. How can you... Who does that? Who, 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 who when, when you have an opportunity to make yourself clear and defend yourself, instead, he tells a story that somebody told you was simple to make a point. But I guess to the people who were standing there, they had to be like, huh? What? We all gathered around the seashore, and you just said a farmer threw some seed on the ground? If you got ears to hear, hear. Why becomes the question. Why? Because up until this point, well, Jesus had taught them very plainly. See, up until this point, up until this moment, he taught doctrine straightforward. He taught Old Testament principles straightforward. He sat on the, on, on the, on the mountain, on, you know, on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, like, love your neighbor. Do what's right. You know, love God. Show honor to people. He taught very plainly and straight. He even did miracles. So everybody could see. He did it all. He did miracles. He taught plainly. And after all of that, some of these people still refused to acknowledge or understand who he really was. And so he tells them a parable. <laughs> he says here in Matthew 13, 10 through 17, I hope this is helping you. Let me read this to you. He said, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, 
nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown or waxed dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have closed, lest they should, you know this part, right? Because we confess this, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, turn so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear. What is Jesus saying to them? I'm glad you asked me very simply. He's saying, I use parables to separate those who have a hunger or a desire to know and understand me from those who have made up in their mind to reject me. So then parables, uh, uh, Deja, they're not about making things easy to understand. What they actually are, are, are judgments. A form of condemnation for those who have refused to understand. Why parables? Parables to make kingdom truth clearer to hearers. To put these truths in a form easily remembered for a hearer. Two, to avoid offense with hostile people who would not receive the truth. Three, to declare judgment on people who are willfully blind and deaf to the truth. I, I want to make sure that we're clear. So, Jesus, why parables? Here, here's the part that gets you. This is the part you can't miss. He taught the parable to the multitudes, right? On the boat, he told it to the multitudes. A few verses later, or one verse later, it says, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? Okay, in the book of Mark, what it says in Mark is, but when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. What point are you making, Pastor? A multitude heard it, but only a few people stuck around to ask what it really meant. And that was the purpose of the parable, to separate from the multitude, those who had a heart and an ear to really listen or to understand. I know that we tend to think that everything is for everybody, but Jesus, he wanted hungry people. <laughs> Jesus, he wanted people with desire. Jesus, he wanted people that desired and had a passion and would say, and while everybody else goes home, I'm going to try to learn. While everybody else goes to sleep, I'm going to open my Bible. While everybody else watches TV, I'm going to search the scriptures because I want to understand. Why parable? Do you have ears? You should listen. 
this was challenging to me because I've taught the parable of the sower. I believe that the word of God is diverse. And I believe that we can pull principles for life from the word. And I believe that sometimes God says things in his word that could be considered like a double entendre where he could say that it could mean this, but you could also pull from it that. But what I was humbled in this time around was, Ruel, how dare you have taught the parable of the sower to teach people faith without first teaching them kingdom. See, there's nothing wrong with pulling from the Good Samaritan that you should be a good person to neighbor and that if you see somebody hurting that you should do something about it. There's nothing wrong with that because I believe that that, that is in there. But shouldn't we get what he meant first? <laughs> Today as we approach this parable, you know, of the sower, we must understand that this is the first and most important of all parables. Okay, we, we must understand that um, Jesus said it in Mark 4 and 13. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any other parable? So then we find that he says that this parable has foundational and fundamental meaning, that, that we must approach this one and grab an understanding before we try to understand the rest of them. Okay. Do you have ears? You should listen. Because the purpose of this parable is for you to locate yourself. Everything could change for you today if you'll just hear, listen, understand, and respond. <laughs> and again, he began to teach by the sea. He said, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and and they devoured it, and some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up, and because it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. He who has ears to hear, hear. Okay, I've got 15 minutes to bring some understanding. The purpose is the ease of understanding. I, I want to do this. Jesus in, in Matthew 13 and 18, he begins to explain the parable. I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation because I think that the plainness of the language will help you to grab the meaning of the parable. So Jesus says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seed. In the, new, in the New King James, in the King James, he says, the sower sows the word. <laughs> the seed that fell on the footpath, which is the first seed, 
represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away that seed that was planted in their hearts. There is no real word for brain in the Bible. There's no word for brain in the Bible. The Bible talks about the mind and the understanding, heart of man. The seed of who you are, when he says mind, when he says heart, often interchangeably, he's talking about the essence of who you are and where it is that you form uh, your soulish realm, your mind, your will, your emotions. Uh, so, when, when, so when Jesus says that this first person is the person that hears the message about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, he's not saying that they had a comprehension issue. Like, it's not like, oh, I told you how to get the square root of something and I showed you on the board and you didn't get it. It's not that. What he's saying is, this first person is the person who won't try to understand it. He's the person that will not receive the word. He's the person who says, I hear what you're saying about God, but I don't have a need for God in my life. I don't need God. My life is going just fine. Not getting you through this word over here on yeah, but but I'm good. He says for that person that refuses to hear or refuses to understand that the evil one or Satan comes along and he snatches what God has tried to plant in that person's heart. He he, he not only snatches what God has tried to plant, but he replaces it with what he wants to put forth. Is this you? Do you have ears? You should listen. Very easy to say it's not you. Be careful. If you have ears, you should listen. Second seed. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have any deep roots, they don't last long. <laughs> they fall away as soon as they have problems or they are persecuted for believing God's word. Jesus describes this person here as the person that does receive the word. He does receive the gospel of the kingdom. He does receive it. He's, and he's excited about what he heard. But it's still shallow. So, so, so now you've received the word, but you've not allowed, allowed it to get in you deep enough. And because you've not allowed what you learned to get in you deep enough, you have no real commitment to what you receive. So, so you hear it, you acknowledge Jesus, and you're like, yeah, man, I got saved today. Or, yeah, man, you know, I accepted Jesus into my life. And, and you put it on your Facebook status. But as soon as somebody gets in your comments and challenges you, you, you face persecution, 
and you fall away. Or, or, you know, you heard it, you received it, but then a problem comes up, and as soon as the problem comes up, you revert back to the old you. <laughs> you go back to the way you always handled things because you didn't allow it to get in you. There's nothing like problems to reveal whether you really, really let Christ in. <laughs> I know the real you when it gets tough, <laughs> not when it's easy. And Jesus says, this is the second story. This is, this is what he was, he wasn't teaching them. I'm, he wasn't primarily teaching them how to receive a word by faith. I feel so convicted. Because I think the truth is in there. I do think that if you want to receive something from the Lord and it's a promise from God, that you got to be the right kind of soil in your heart to really get that promise and to birth that thing out. But primarily what he was trying to say was, where are you in your heart? Are you the person who the seed fell on and you just don't need me? You feel like you're good? Are you the person who received me? But the minute it got a little tough, you let me go. Is this you? Do you have ears? You should listen. Time to locate yourself. Okay, okay. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those, it says, he says, it represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is really produced. He describes this person as one that receives the word, that understands it, that accepts it, and actually lets the roots kind of grow down in him. But he has competing values. Fighting for the soil of his heart. I've got these things in my yard. They're called purple dead nettles. They're a weed. I couldn't understand why they were growing so ferociously. So I looked on YouTube and I, I, I just tried to figure out what I'm going to do. And they said that purple dead nettles grow where they have available soil. So where I have not prioritized the planting of grass, I have now created an environment for the weed to grow. Jesus says the third heart is the person who really loves God, but has not prioritized so now, competing values, money, sex, drugs, relationships, all these competing values are now growing up and choking the life out of your, of your relationship with God. Is this you? You have ears, you should listen. And lastly, the seed that fell on good soil, it represents those who truly hear, he says, and understand God's word. And they produce a harvest 
30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Jesus describes here the ideal soil, the soil that truly hears and understands and fully yields itself to God. The soil is fruitful. It produces the kingdom in us here on earth. Uh, this soil is surrendered. See, but the thing about this soil, this is the soil that Jesus died to create. You locate yourself not to condemn yourself. You locate yourself so that you can be convicted enough to say, Jesus, I want to be the best soil. You locate yourself so that if you were the first soil, that now you say, no, I have a need for God. And I realize that now. And so, Jesus, help me to be a better soil. <laughs> and maybe you find yourself in soil, too, where you don't get condemned. What you say is, Jesus, help me to let the roots grow down. Help me to not care about what other people think. Help me to not bend to other people's opinions of myself. Help me to not uh, uh, run away every time my marriage gets a little rocky. Help me to still... Do what your word says and, and honor my husband and, and love my wife. And, or help me to still give and tithe even when my money gets tight. Help me to, help me to still love people who talk about me. Help, help me to not allow the persecution which Jesus says comes for the word's sake anyway. I didn't even touch on that part. That, that because you allowed the word to grow in you a little bit, that's why persecution showed up anyway, to see if it could get it out of you. God, help me to not be the kind of person who runs away from my commitment to you every time something a little bit better shows up. Then you find yourself in the third soil. Maybe yeah, it's not to be condemned there. Sonny, it's to ask God. Help me to not surrender to competing values. Help me to love not the world and the things that are in the world so much that I love them more than I love you. It's not to be condemned, it's to be convicted to change. Because I want to be the best soil. That's what I left. I just, I said, God, if there's any day on which my soil does not match the best soil, convict me and show me how to aerate my soil. <laughs> you know what it means to aerate? <laughs> to, you, you put the holes in the ground so that you can allow the seed to go deep in. When my anger rises up, show me how to be the best soil. When my jealousy rises up, show me how to be the best soil. When my ears start to close, show me how to be a real listener because there's no way for me to get to the fourth soil if I don't have ears to hear. Do you have ears? You should listen. 
You should understand. And you should respond. Everybody standing to your feet. We're going home. 